I'm going to put you in that little chair over there. We're not going to set you up in the high chair. Brent, if you'll grab also um, Christine's mic. I'm going to um, interview my mother here. And I, I'm going to tell you, I, Christine, um, living in, in a home with Christine and living in a home with, with my mother-in-law, I'm a blessed man. I really am. And every now and again, one of them speaks. And, and the amount of time that they put into studying um, is very commendable. But I told my wife one time, she's like, uh, she would study so much. And I said, you know that you're only going to have to speak for about 30 minutes or so. And there's no way you can get to all of that. And, and I said, honestly, Christine, there's going to be some time I'm going to call on you. And I'm not even going to tell you because all I really want is what's inside of you, not, not what you studied. I want what's inside of you, like, like squeezing um, the essence out. And, and that's what I'm going to do with my mom. As, as long as I can remember, Elizabeth, you're Elizabeth, you are my witness to this. Every night before we went to bed, I mean, we'd gather around and pray as a family, wouldn't we? And um, every night, that lamp was on in her room. And what was she doing? Reading or praying, reading her, her Bible. And, um, and thankfully, you and Dad gave this, that example. And, and I did not know until my dad passed away in 1995 at the age of 57 Mom was 51, and um, to be honest, I, I was 28, and I thought, I thought that's too young for Dad to die, but I thought that's a long time from now. I'm 55. I'll be 56 very shortly, and then I'll, Lord willing, be 57 the year that my dad went to be with the Lord. I tell you, th you, you your thought patterns change when you get closer to outliving your parents. And I'm already um, four years older than you were, Mom, when you lost Dad. <laughs> so I've got some questions. But, but here, I, I grew up in a pastor's home. And in the realm of pastors and preachers and ministers, I did not know until my dad passed away how different he was from pastors and preachers and ministers. I did not know that. I thought everybody was like that. And the week before my dad went to be with the Lord, I went into ministry the week before. And my eyes were open to a lot of things. And it, and it hurt. It hurt my heart. Because I thought everybody was like him. I found out they weren't. And But I know that um, I was not raised rich and monetary goods because we lived on a pastor's salary. But I was rich in all the most important ways spiritually. And I'm not going to sit up here and, and act like how good it was for me to be raised the way I was. I want to extract from you the many years of ministry some questions because even in marriage, Mom, the statistic is where 50% of marriages don't survive. 
And that's got zero to do with whether you come to church or not. That statistic has zero to do. That's where we're at in, in marriages. So in this crowd, we've got single mothers doing it. We've got single dads doing it. But I want some encouragement from you for them. And um, the fun thing about today is, oh, man, these, if I stand still very long, it starts to hurt. I get to ask the questions. <laughs> you get to answer. Ah, buckle up, Mom. Um, I can still find a belt down here. <laughs> I said. <laughs> I need the cane. I need it for protection. What color are you going to put me in? I'll help. Okay. <laughs> Thank you. That actually kind of shows. We'll go with that. Um, so you actually lived in Rock Hill. It, this is crazy. My grandmother, my mother went to school where two of my children went to high school. Um, use that mic. Your nerves are working good. There you go. Hello. So you, yeah. you grew up in Rock Hill, South Carolina? Uh, I thought it was Grum when we moved there, but I really wasn't. You know, it was like <laughs> my dad pastored. and He pastored I what was what? the? Parkwood Avenue Church of God. Yeah. And then Gardens? Garden Sanctuary down in Which was Cedar Rock Street. Hill. Uh-huh. Still Cedar there. Street. Still a Bible, a good church. and um, I went to Hawthorne Junior High School. And was in the first year of the brand new high school then, which was a century ago, you know. But uh, I want you to tell them just a little bit about going into Charlotte, North Carolina, what it was like in those those days. And, and you would go spend all day in Charlotte. You remember you told me you'd take Saturdays? You got? Yeah. Ride the bus. You would ride the bus into Charlotte. To say. I was grown. Wasn't old enough to get my license, but I had enough money to get on the bus. So mother and daddy let me do it, and I was already teaching um, four and five-year-old children in Sunday school. So outside of our big family, my mom and dad's family, I loved those little children. I got my license during that time, so on Saturdays I'd try to make the rounds if anybody had been out or if they had a problem in their homes or something, you know, because when you teach little bitty children, they don't have any filters and they don't care. It's like, you know, if mom and daddy's having a fuss, they don't mind telling you about it. It's like my mom and daddy didn't fuss, but my brother and sisters would have to be spanked sometimes. You know, you, do you know what spanking means? You do, right? You can Google it. <laughs> or find a real, real, real old book in the library. It might tell you. But anyway, the correction, I never remember in my life being corrected uh, undeservingly or harshly. Although I would go to the bedroom afterwards and get in front of the mirror and look. It's like I can cry. It's like I thought I'd been half killed, but... I wasn't. I'm very much alive. <laughs> but, but 
discipline has kind of disappeared in most. Yeah, amen. I hear somebody say amen. Uh, this good discipline comes from the Lord. And I'm not talking about beating up on somebody till they got stripes or need to be in an emergency room. I'm talking about yes or no. And you can see some of this in the grocery store if you're looking for your groceries, like see somebody that's pushing her buggy and got a small child just old enough to talk and mean enough to talk back. It's like, all right, what's that tell you? There are things that need to be straightened out in this world, and a few other mothers like me could help, but they won't let us. <laughs> I've said this for years. My mom needs to get some of her running buddies and go buy some neighborhoods and do some drive-by spankings. <laughs> no, I'd be in jail. You'd have your ministry for jail then. It's like... <laughs> Um, Proverbs 22, verse 6, it says, Train up a child in the way they should go, and when they're old, they won't depart from it. What's that mean to you, Mom? Well, training doesn't start when you get to be 16 and you're learning to drive, right? Training starts, uh, I'd say, as soon as, as soon as you get home from the hospital with that baby and there's no nurses and doctors around to tell you stuff, it's like, this your turn, girl. And when that baby is that age, this, is, this sounds like a story, but it is the God's truth. A child is born with a nature that wants to rebel. It's like, well, why don't all of these six-week-old babies Say, good night, Mama, and you're gone till in the morning. It's like, why? Because it doesn't happen like that. They have to be trained, and, and that's what the Bible said, train up that child in the way he should go, and when he's old, he won't depart. Yeah. And we all know bush, bushels of people that have departed, but they're not gone yet. So I think it's time for revival. How many, I don't want to be a little bold here. How many of you, and if you don't want to lift Ken very high, just I look and you nod because it's embarrassing. It hurts so bad. How many in here have children that are of the age of accountability to 40, 50, 60, whatever, and still do not really live for the Lord? Everybody close your eyes. Your hands all over this place. Thank you for participating in that. And it's like that everywhere we go because the devil is strong. But the Bible says the Lord is stronger. And maybe our testimonies have been strong in the past and maybe we are getting a little weak. Maybe we're getting a little bit lazy and not being on our knees. And I don't say you have to be on your knees. Well, that's not too good either. But to be down, prostrate before the Lord, even if you're just sitting like I am right now with my eyes closed, it's like I am before the Lord. So it's, it's not really um, a physical thing as much as it is from the heart. 
And it's time for us to wake up if we've got lost people. Everybody, please uh, please bear with me. I'm old. I'm probably the oldest one in here. Uh, if you don't mind, just bow your head or close your eyes a minute because I'm not, I'm not doing this for anybody to see your business, okay? If you have a lost child, raise your hand where I can see it. Oh, thank you so much. God bless you and your family because we're running out of time, folks. Lord might come next year. He might come 10 years down the road, but according to his word, I don't, I don't know anything that needs to be fulfilled. It might be 10 minutes. Who knows? He knows. But what I'm saying to you from the, do- the bottom of my heart is that if you've got somebody close to you, particularly their, their blood came from you, it's time for us to get very serious and it's not just a little joking thing. Well, they're coming to the youth meeting. No, that's not enough. I know you probably have an excellent youth meeting. But I'm telling you, it takes more than pitching ball and going to a movie together to win a child to Christ. It takes some parents in the home that are telling it like it is morning, night. I guess my kids, it's a miracle that they are all real, really serving the Lord because they got it fed to them every, every meal. First thing in the morning, we're on our knees around the kitchen table. That last thing at bedtime, on our knees in front of the couch. And if they chose to sneak out and do something God wasn't pleased with during the day, they'd be so beaten down by it. They'd apologize in a day or two. <laughs> it's like... I think that's the way to raise a child. And I'm not talking about beating and all that stuff, you know, those kind of fads. But Let me throw you a question here, Mom. Yeah. There were times, I mean, you raised five children. There were times when we were with the Lord. There was times we were away with the Lord, away from the Lord. And there were, there were times when you obviously had an ear because he was telling you some of the stuff that Elizabeth did. I, I knew what she did, <laughs> but he was telling you what she did. I was at home fasting and praying for them. <laughs> You're welcome. But whenever whenever we were away from the Lord and, and you knew it and you didn't just how what were your prayers like to the Lord? What what is your prayer like when they one's away often, and you know they're away? They were often and and I wasn't raised to pray real loud. My daddy did enough of that for mm-hmm. all of us, and it was yeah. wonderful. It, I mean, it kept us in the fold. But uh, the Lord gave me some tears, and I've never lost them, and I'm glad. If, if I get dry, I'll say, God, help me. I feel like a man backslidden. Mm. can't cry over somebody's problem. But we have to uh, love each other enough to go out of the way to help somebody. And I'm not talking about being a busybody. I'm talking about really loving that person's soul, especially. Now I'm talking to y'all my age. There's probably not anybody here older than me, but if you've got a grown family and you've got some lost family, don't ever let down on your love for them and don't ever let down on your praying for them. And it does not mean when they come over to eat that you've got to go around and anoint everybody with oil and pray over them. You know, I'm not talking about that foolishness. 
I believe in anointing with oil, but I'm, I believe in being sincere before God and taking our children before him with knowing this and see what he will do about it because he doesn't want them to be any, uh, lost any more than we do, you know. He loves us. Right. And so there's a scripture in Revelation 5.8, if you'll pull that up. There, that scripture, it, it, it talks about the, the prayers. It talks about uh, being around the throne room of God. It, it's the vision that John saw in Revelation. And, and he saw a vision of scrolls with seven seals on them. And the question was raised, who, who's worthy to break these seals and read this scroll? And he began to cry, and a strong angel spoke up and said, the lamb who was slain, he's able. And then it said this, he said, now when he had taken the scroll, the four living creatures and the 24 elders fell down before the lamb, each having a harp and golden bowls full of incense, which are the prayers of of the saints. So th this is what I want to tell you. When, you. when you've prayed everything you know how to pray, has anybody in this room ever prayed everything you know to pray? And, and you're grateful for anybody else that will help you pray too. It, but you basically you run out of words. I want you to understand this. Scripturally speaking, you have prayers that are spiritually in bowls, and God counts them like incense. And they come up before him as a sweet-smelling savor. All those prayers are bottled up. You didn't pray in vain. They're there. They're still active. They're, they're still at work all the way up to the end of time. And those scrolls are about to be read. I think it's very interesting that it points to the prayers of the saints. Your prayers are valuable. Your prayers means don't ever stop praying for them. Because everybody else might give up on me in the world, but I know your prayers won't stop because you're my mom. Even if she quit praying for me, my mommy would pray for me. I do believe that, that, that our prayers are are. Are valuable. Um, who did you? Um, I mean, you got you. I'm gonna have to give you some grace for this question. Outside of me, which one of your children did you love the most? You usually love the one that needs the most help. That's what I knew you were gonna say. All right. Well, she's done with it already. That's it. That, you, it's not that you love them more. It's that you're willing to spend more time on your knees interceding for them or uh, trying some way to get in there and make things more uh, conducive to them living right. Yeah. And sometimes it might, oh, Lord, I might get put in jail if I say what I'm thinking. Well. You know what you need to do. Don't kill them, but. <laughs> There's only so much we can edit out of these messages, so okay, I'll be careful. keep it at least PG. Um, that, mean? <laughs> that means pretty good, don't it? Yeah, pretty good. Um, there, there is, um, okay, when, when Dad died, mm -hmm. 
he was 57, you were 51. So you've had your husband die, your mother, your dad have gone to be with the Lord, my daughter, your granddaughter. I've had my dad pass away, my grandparents away, and my daughter pass away. Those all are very hard things. But you were a pastor's wife. All you ever knew was being a pastor's wife. And at 51, now I know how young 51 was. What, how, how did you approach God knowing that you had more years to live? You did not have, um, you were about to be thrust into the world, honestly. As much as the church world loved you, you weren't with dad anymore. Let's just be honest. And so, so how, how did that, how did you get through those real times that where the rubber meets the road and like, okay, God, my husband was a pastor and I signed up to be my husband's wife and now you took my husband. I just like being real. So yeah. what did that look like for you? I don't, I don't want to make it a longer answer than it should be, but let me start like this. And this is for everybody, whoever you've lost or whoever you've not lost or whoever you might lose lose somewhere. God gives us rest and peace, and hopefully everybody in this room has a very peaceful home. And it might not be permissible if you live in a really dysfunctional home and you have to do things certain ways to keep everybody happy. God understands that stuff. But what works for me, and I know it works for people that do it, I heard an old preacher when I was young say this, and I can't remember who he was and how young I was, but he said, your knees are closest to the ground when you get out of bed in the morning. And it's like, I never forgot that. I wish I could remember who said that wise word, but it was like, okay, when you wake up, if at all possible, if you've got a nursing baby and you've got a grandma that needs help and stuff like that, I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about your daily schedule. If you slide out on your knees and honor God by thanking him for bringing you through another night's rest, and ask him, just simply, just simply, help me today to know what I'm supposed to do. He will. He doesn't necessarily speak to us. I've never heard his voice, but if you're counting up believers, I want to be at number one spot up there. It's like, I know that he hears our prayers. But if, if we start our day like that, And I know all of you that are in school and in college, I did all of that stuff too. And it's like you don't have three minutes to waste when you're 17 years old and you've got a test in geometry, right? This is not wasted time. Set your clock three minutes back. Get out on your knees for just a short time, not even a loud time. Just say, Heavenly Father, thank you for helping me through the night and help me I need it really bad and you tell him a sentence or two about what you want and need that day that sounds simple and it is simple but 
to be faithful is uh, is doing it when it's simple and not when it's simple. Because some life is not simple at all. But if we always put him first, there's no better place to be. Yeah, be being diligent is just doing something simple over and over again until until it happens. Um, that's good, Mom. You're giving. Are y'all enjoying this? I sure am. Um, let's tell them about the whipping. No, let's not. <laughs> She's five feet tall, but you ain't never seen a woman swing like that. I'm telling you, she could go for the fences. Um, so, I, I want you to give a word of encouragement to our single moms and dads who are here. Okay. All right. Well. I'm a single mom now, <laughs> but um, no, she's not. She's taken anybody. <laughs> don't I'm tell nobody looking. she's single. She's taken. <laughs> I I know that uh, the Lord is for us. That's that's a number one. There's a lot of number one things you can take off from right here. But remember, no matter how hard things have been for you or how hard they might get, He is for me. Now you say that with me. He is for not me, you. Me. You understand what I'm saying? He is. He's for us. The devil does not want us to believe that. But he wants to believe all his lies, you know. I want him to say it like this because we can the enemy does a real good job of making you feel like you're by yourself, doesn't he? Emmanuel means this. He is God God with us. 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 I want you to say that, God, with us. So that it just takes the alone out of the room. Because even when we say God is with me, I, I know that. But sometimes we feel like it's just me. And to those of you that are single, and, and, and I can't imagine. And, and my hat is off to you. You have no idea if you're a single parent, young or old, single parent. If you're doing it by yourself, you have no idea how high I hold you in regard and, and, and in esteem because you're doing it. And I'm so proud of you. But I want you to say this, Emmanuel, God with us. Because you and God will always be in us. And don't, don't you ever um, forget that. So um, thanks for that, Mom. Um, Anything you just want to throw in there off the top of your head? Well, I think I already touched on the thing of starting on your knees. And I'm not perfect because I've I missed a few mornings. <laughs> I have more than a few. But to have a You missed some mornings. Some of us have missed yeah. some years. To have a time with you and God's word. I don't care if you have a little booklet that has scripture in it or one of these old-timey ones that's about half worn out. It's like have some God's Word in your system every day as early as you can from the time you wake up. Everybody got that one? It's, it's deathly important. You might die on the way to work. Mm -hmm. You might get killed on the way home that evening, and that, that does not sound very encouraging. I'm so, I'm so sorry. But that's life. 
Is there anybody in here that would know, if you do, I want you to raise your hand, don't say anything, would know the hour and the day that you're going to die? I just see a bunch of heads shaking No, We don't know. So the best thing we can do about it is live every day like we don't want to get caught. You know the rest of that phrase. You, you don't want to get caught in trouble. Right? We're Southerners. Like my grandson was yesterday. <laughs> you don't you don't want to get caught uh, disobeying the Lord or maybe not just particularly disobeying him, but not obeying him. How about that one? It's like maybe he told you, go visit this widow over here. He told you last week, and it's like, whew, I've been so busy. I just yeah. about forgot about that. Delayed obedience becomes disobedience. It does. Yeah. You got it. Um, so I just want to say this about prayer. You keep referencing prayer. Prayer is an amazing thing. You may not even feel like praying. And you, when you pray, you may not feel like your prayer went anywhere. But here's the truth about prayer. The moment you open your mouth to pray or think to pray, you're engaging faith. You are actually about to embark on something. You're, something is going to come out of you. You're going to say something to someone you cannot see, believing that they will hear you and that they will move on what you just asked them to. That's the power of prayer. That, that, and the enemy will do his best. You said a sentence or two. It, it can just be, you, you can mess your enemy up just saying, Jesus, don't ever forget that. So, so don't not say those things. And you said something about the Bible. Now, this is funny to me. When I turned four, I almost brought it this morning as evidence. Evidence. Um, she gave me a Bible about that big, and it was an NLT. And I've grown to love that Bible. It's a different translation. It's like a story reading. That Bible is... That's scotch tape. Scotch tape. Scotch wow. tape does not hurt the Lord's feelings. My embarrassment. I've got one with camouflage duct tape on the outside of it that I'm particularly proud of. But she's got Bible after Bible after Bible, and, and, and they look like she just threw them through um, a weed eater or one of those things that just destroys brush in the uh, wood chipper. That's what it looks like. Her Bibles all look like that. But she, um, she gave me a Bible for my 40th birthday and wrote this beautiful thing in it. And as I looked at the Bible, I was like, something's just not right about this Bible. And, and, I, I, and I, I turned it over, and then I said, what is that? So, y'all know my little Bible I love so much. See, Dave's goat skin is so awesome. But um, she gave me that little bitty Bible, and when I turned it over, I realized up here in the corner, upside down, was the name Michael. And it was like disembossed. So it was, I could barely see it. So they had start, started embossing the name Michael on the Bible you gave for my birthday. Same and then they girls. erased it. They disembossed the name Michael. And I was looking at it. I was like, Mom, you bargain shopped me. Bargain. But is, that, is, that why, is that why that one's kept so clean? <laughs> that one's pretty. Now, nobody gets to touch that Bible but me. I got four just like it, and, and I finally got a good one because my Bibles look so horrible 
and the back of both uh, two of them were chewed up. I know it was worse than duct tape because Henry got a hold of the Bible and ate the back off of it. So Christine's like, you got to do better than this, John. You, you, you can get a, one good Bible, quit being cheap. But you bought me that little Bible with, with Michael's name on it, whoever Michael is, because she expects Bibles not to be trophies. She expects them to be used. Amen. Okay, so um, uh, the Scripture, Psalm 23, verse 6. I want you to um, pull that one up. Sorry, Eric. <laughs> Just to talk about your bad timing. <laughs> um, pull that one up. We, we know this one by heart. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Word dwell is simply... Um, um, the interpretation of that word is, is to return. So it's, it's not that I'll always be in the house of the Lord. I'll live my life. Goodness and mercy will follow me, but I'll return. I will return to the house of the Lord. I'll keep coming back. This will be the place that I come to is that place in the Lord. So um, I, I'm going to give you a story that I, I've only shared this on Wednesday night, I shared it one time with our, our worship team. I don't think I've ever shared this to the sanctuary. And I don't say much about it because it's so so special to me. It's so dear to me. So so my dad had, um, our dad had passed away. and um, But dad knew that he was dying. Um, and he had had planned on you going back to school to get your degree in music. She went to Winthrop and uh, got her music degree. Then she ended up going to the School of Theology in Cleveland, Tennessee. Yeah, and, and that was um, because Dad wanted to make sure if God didn't heal him on this earth that Mom would still have a way uh, to, to provide income for herself. Just to be honest, that's, that's how it was. Now, I want to say this, too, and um, just think if this is the right time. I'll give it a minute before I say that. Um, so, when, when Mom was back at Lee University now, Lee College then, maybe it was university, I'd already graduated college, and she was back, and, and Dad was with the Lord, I was worried for my mom. Um, mom raised four boys and a girl, and the toughest one of us all was probably sitting right there because she of those four boys. She had to be. Uh, but I was worried for my mom, and you would be too, and because um, I went to that college, and, and I knew where she lived, and she was living down the street where my wife lived um she was living um in in the bot where your house was was about 50 yards from where christine's house was and you were living in the basement of a professor's home remember that you were living in the basement of a professor's home and getting your degree and i had already graduated but i knew that area of town even though it was within two blocks of the of the the college it was sketchy right there because somebody had broke in on my wife and she was even in the house when they broke in one time 
And uh, so that's all craziness in and of itself. So I was worried about you, and you'd walk back and forth, and you had a vehicle, but you'd walk back and forth, and, and um, you know, mom being a little college girl, I was worried about her. And I prayed, and I went to go see her for uh, a night. I just drove up to Tennessee, and, and I just wanted to check everything out. And I got to her little basement apartment, and in that apartment, there, there was a small little kitchenette and a table. And did you ever get to see that? Yeah. And there was um, two single beds in there, two single beds in, in, the, in the next room. It was like two rooms, like, it, but it was all open. It was just a basement, so it was all open, but she had divided it into a kitchen, a table. Uh, I don't know if there was laundry down there. I don't remember that. But I know in the next little room, there was a little bathroom, and then there were two single beds. And when we went to bed that night, you were on one single bed that was up against the wall. I was in the other single bed up against the wall. Um, but I, I had been praying for my mom. And I had been praying also. God, God put angels around her. And I, I had started praying a, a prayer I really never prayed. I said, God, I believe in angels. I believe your word says that we, that, that we entertain angels unaware. It says that. That's the New Testament scripture, by the way. And I was like, God, I sure would like to see that you've got angels around my mother. I'd like, yeah, you laugh. I'd like to see that, that my mom is protected by you. And, and, and then I started bargaining with God. You ever bargain with God in prayer? And I said, God, I, I don't think it will make me believe in you more. I was trying to, don't try to psych God out. Don't try to psychology him. But I said, I don't think it would make me believe in you more, but I'd sure appreciate it. If you let people see angels, I'd sure love to see one. Careful what you pray for. Now, if half of y'all don't come back next week and the rest of half of y'all don't come back the following week, I understand. That's why I don't tell this story much. But y'all know I don't tell y'all a bunch of junk. On the other side of the wall in the middle of the night, about 4 o'clock in the morning, I just cracked my eyes open. And, and what had awakened me, obviously, was that my mom had got out of her bed and was praying beside her little single mattress right there, just bunched up like that. And I saw a man as tall as the ceiling standing up against the wall. And he looked like he was looking down on her. And if y'all knew how I can go crazy if I think something's in my house, I'll turn over tables. I'll bust doors down trying to get to whatever it is if I think it's in my house because that's my job. And I, it was just as peaceful as it could be. And I remember thinking, there's a man standing over my mom. And about that time, she... She made just a little move. She was on her knees, and that didn't scare me because, I remember, like I said, I saw my mom pray all the time my whole life. She began to get up, and when she did, whatever that was, I believe it was an angel, it just turned and hovered and, like, shrouded her and disappeared like that. You don't have to believe it. I know what I saw. 
But the next one, and I immediately fell back to sleep. The next morning, I wake up to the sound of bacon cracking. I know that sound. And that smell, followed by that smell. And she's over there in that little kitchenette making her son some bacon and eggs. Because that's how we roll, ain't it, Mom? And biscuits. And, uh, and I woke up, and I was like remembering what happened at 4 o'clock in the morning. And I walk in there, and I sit at the table. She's got coffee, and I'm like this. And she said, what are you smiling about? She's, I couldn't even get it out of my mouth. She said, she said, what, did you see an angel last night? You remember what she said? She just said, she said, they're here all the time. Now, y'all might think we're both crazy now. The Lord didn't have to show me that, but he did. I've never seen anything like it since. It brought me a great deal of peace. And uh, Logan and Cam, I want y'all to come up here. And do what I ask y'all to do. Come right here behind her. I'm going to tell you now. Now I'm going to tell you what I started to tell you a minute ago. And this is hard for me. This is a moment in time. You don't. You. You. Probably my sister and my wife, my mother-in-law, my daughter, my son-in-law, they're the only ones that realize how much this is a moment in time. This is a moment in time. My, um, my mother-in-law, her mother, Christine's grandmother, had dementia. And her grandmother went to stages of dementia, and it was so bad that um, her son, well, two of her children passed away while she was still living. And at the funeral, I saw Christine's grandma. That's the easiest way, your mom, but it's easiest, easiest for me just to relate to her as, as Oma, as, okay? We're just going to call her Oma. So I saw Oma in her demented state. I saw her at the funeral um, looking around the room where the family was gathered, and she looked around for everybody, and she said, Where, where's Uncle James at? Where's James? She had completely forgotten that James had passed away a few months earlier. And she was looking for James. And then the day of the funeral, if I've got it right, she came, Oma came down the aisles. I know it's hard. And, um, and she's falling apart, crying, 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 crying. Why didn't anybody tell me that they died? Why didn't anybody see it had left her that her child had died? It was horrible. It was horrible to hear. It was horrible to see. And I know it had to be horrible for you to witness. And in that time, as the funeral service went on, later on that afternoon, we all got back together. And there was Oma sitting there in the chair and had forgotten everything that had happened that day. And somebody said, how are you doing? I'm, oh, 
I'm doing pretty good. I'm having a pretty good day. You see what I'm talking about by a moment of time? That's where we're at today. Everything that we've talked about these few minutes is a moment in time. If you can understand what I'm saying. I love you, Mom. The scripture that I just read a minute ago that said, surely, stand up, Mom. Surely, surely goodness and mercy will follow me all the days of my life. You got to believe that the Word of God is true. And even if they weren't standing there, they're representing goodness and mercy. I want you to get that picture. Every step you take in your life, goodness and mercy will follow me. They won't outrun you. And if you take off running, they'll be right behind you. That's the goodness of the Lord. Now, what I didn't tell you is that mom used to take music lessons in Charlotte. And, and, and mom has played on many stages on this globe in many countries. And her talent is amazing. And though some things will come and go, there are some things that are bottled up inside of her and they come out at the right time. And it amazes me. It amazes me and it's going to amaze you in just a second. Though some things may be forgotten, there's some things that will never be forgotten that are inside of her. And, and I want you to come I want them to help you guys. You come around here. And I'm going to ask you to, to play something, Mom. I want to tell you what. And my sister, thanks, buddy. My sister, help her get right up there. Is she good? Is it, are we on? Everything's okay. Um, I'm going to give you the permission to play something different than what you normally hear in church. Well, last week we played money, money, money. <laughs> I, I mean, I, I think we toned it down from that. The bar set pretty low. But this song is not a low, a low bar set. Very few people can play this in the precision that she plays it in. Well, you about to. Just just don't even think about this being church, Mom. We're breaking down traditions and breaking down walls and religions and all that stuff. It's not at all. But I want you who have prayers that are bottled up to hear this and know 
as beautiful as what she is about to play is bottled up inside her. There's no music. It's just, in, there's music right there, but it ain't this song. It's in you to play this. I want you to play Claire Delune. Okay? Go ahead. my life you've you did for my dad what my wife has done for me with the instrument she has played and made my life as a minister easy because as I preach she is thinking about what I will play what I will play what will wrap it up so you can shift gears back in and I want you to play something as we we pray for those that have been faithful to pray and, and, and believing and they're holding on to things today. I, I want you to play something. Just, just whatever you want to play for that. Well, that's just the perfect one, Jesus. There's something about his name. Sing that with me.
you've actually got to let them go because you've got to be back in Seneca any time now. So the last thing I'm going to do, Mom, is just have you pray over everybody here. And, and thank you. Um, I'm going to let them walk you all the way out. I've got to let them go. They, they have an appointment this afternoon. I want you to pray. Thank you, Lord, for the privilege of prayer. We've not done anything to deserve what you've done for us, God, and we never will be able to. But by your grace, we will see you. We will bow at your feet. We will, Lord. We and our families, we will. We claim that promise, Lord. I ask for the ones that are here today that have families that is not saved, God. Help them to have a firmer grip on your prayer shawl than any before, Lord. We've got to have our families with us in heaven. There's nothing else worth living for if it's not for you, Lord. So thank you for this opportunity to share our love for you and our share our love for each other. We're all part of a great, great, great big family that we will never know till we see you face to face. Thank you for this wonderful day. Thank you for John and Christine and all of this family and all of this church. Use them, give them a revival in their hearts and their homes. Use them to stretch out their faith to their neighbors and their family members like never before because we are truly almost out of time. In Jesus' name, amen. I love you, Mom. Now I want to let Elizabeth and Mabry and you guys, if y'all will walk her out, I want to keep the rest of you here for just a minute. Logan, if y'all help her walk out. Um, Next time stays long enough so you can buy me lunch. I got the message across that that was a moment in time. I'm telling you the fact. Five minutes from now, 15 at the very most, and that's if Mabry and Elizabeth talks about it. She will never know. My mom will never, ever know that that just happened. That's where she's at. That's why I hate that disease. And one day she won't recognize me. And yet we trust him. And he's good.
and he always will be. What you're going to have to settle on is that this life is temporary. Otherwise, it'll drive you crazy. It's temporary. But that woman did it right. My mother, she did it right. And the woman that you just saw at 79 years old, you got a piece of her heart. You got some wisdom out of her. If you've ever received anything from me, receive what she just gave you as pure gold. Pure gold. As one who has lived it. As one who has shredded many Bibles reading it. And has never stopped believing it. Your prayers are powerful. Your prayers are bottled up. The Word says the prayers of the saints are right there before the Lord. And as He is the one, the only one who is worthy to break the seals and read from the scroll, right there beside Him are your let that give you comfort today. Father, today was a gift for us and a gift for me. I learned early in the week that mom was going to be here. Thank you for opening her mind today and letting us see what was in her heart and that she still got the biggest things are still there. I don't understand what happens to us physically. I don't understand where things go. I don't understand why she can pull incredible memories from the past and these things that happen now in the short term, they're just gone. I'm not, I don't know how to be okay with that. So I lay that at your feet, God. Like the old song says, well, we'll understand it better by and by. But thank you for that wisdom that came from her today. Thank you for that encouragement. And God, you are for us. You are Emmanuel, God, with us. And we take great comfort in that today. Let us leave here today encouraged. And let this serve a notice to the enemy that Though he had lied about it and tried to deceive us, our prayer matters. 
and it's before you. And we're going to serve you all the way, all the days of our lives. Through Jesus we pray. Amen. 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 God bless each one of you as you go today. I pray you have a wonderful week. And um, let's love each other better, love each other more, and trust in God with all of our hearts. Amen. God bless you as you go.